I have found out beat news in depth for you. Good evening and welcome to Outbeat News in Depth. I'm Greg Moralia. Well, earlier this year, I had the pleasure of speaking at Travis Air Force Base to a group I'd never imagined would even exist just a couple of years ago. In the audience were 40 out LGBT active duty members of the Air Force. There were men and women of various ranks and ages and several straight allies as well. And tonight, I'm thrilled to have several members from the Travis Air Force Base LGBT Alliance here to talk about their experience and life in the post-don't-ask-don't-tell world. And on this month's Outbeat Youth segment, members from Positive Images are back to finish what we started last month. If you tuned in, you might remember we were forced out of Studio A just after their interview started because of an electrical fire in another part of our building. So stay with us. All of this is coming up right after your Outbeat Radio News for this Sunday, March 23rd, 2014. I have found Outbeat Radio News, your source for LGBT news from the North Bay and beyond. Moscow's Central Station, one of the largest gay nightclubs in Russia, is about to be no more after a crisis of anti-gay attacks and a decision from the Moscow Arbitration Court that ordered the club's owners to end their lease of the building, this according to Queer Russia. Central Station was the target of at least three documented attacks in the last six months, one where armed men sprayed the club's unmarked doors with bullets, another where harmful gas was released into the club, and a third allegedly organized by the building's management where a group of men dismantled the club's roof in December. In early January, the club's CEO resigned and formally requested asylum in the United States. The former owner, Andre Lichinsky, told news outlets in January that police refused to respond to any of his 30 complaints about attacks on the club and its patrons and that he had personally been targeted by the local prosecutor's office and had his car lit on fire. And here in the U.S. on Thursday this week, Westboro Baptist church leader Fred Phelps died at the age of 84. Phelps, who was once a successful civil rights attorney and who won a case for Gail Sayers, became famous in 1998 when he and members of his church picketed the funeral of Matthew Shepard. Matthew's mother, Judy Shepard, now president of the Matthew Shepard Foundation, an organization dedicated to replacing hate with understanding, acceptance, and compassion, released a short statement this week saying, quote, Regarding the passing of Fred Phelps, my husband Dennis and I know how solemn these moments are for anyone who loses a loved one. Out of respect for all and our desire to erase hate, we've decided not to comment any further. And here in California, the superintendent of the Fullerton Union High School District in Southern California, Dr. George Giocaris, has put a halt to the Troy High School's production of the Laramie Project, citing that the play's content, quote, contains mature themes, end quote. However, students have been allowed to produce other plays with mature themes, including To Kill a Mockingbird, which contains themes of rape, racism, and violence, The Cat and the Canary, in which a character was shown hanged and others shot on stage, and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which contains blunt depictions of abuse in mental institutions. An online petition to overturn this decision has been launched by the GSA Network. Susan Burke of the Matthew Shepard Foundation said, quote, All students of all ages are living these mature themes of bullying, hatred, and violence on a daily basis. Because school officials may be uncomfortable facing those facts is no reason to refuse to allow an avenue for discourse. The Laramie Project is not a play about being gay or promoting anyone being gay. It's about being targeted, hurt, and murdered for being different or perceived to be different, whatever that difference may be. 
While conservative and cowardly decisions like this one by the superintendents are more common in Bible Belt states, it almost never happens anywhere here in California, especially now when the teaching of LGBT history in public schools is required by the Fair Education Act signed into law back in 2011. And finally, Napa Valley College invites you to attend a showing of the new documentary, Matt Shepard is a Friend of Mine. This film was produced by close high school friends of Matthew Shepard, the young gay man who was murdered in a vicious hate crime in Laramie, Wyoming, back in 1998. Shepard's friends share for the first time their memories of Matt through never-before-seen videos, pictures, and audio. This new documentary premiered here locally in Mill Valley last fall and is now available for you to see coming up on Thursday, April 17th at 7 p.m. at the Performing Arts Center at Napa Valley College. Tickets are now available for purchase online, and you can get a link from our website at outbeatnews.com. Just find the link on the center of the page. And stay tuned later in the show as we'll have some tickets to give away. Now here's your calendar of events for the coming week. On Monday, March 24th at 7 p.m., the parents of Transgender Youth Support Group will meet at the Positive Images Center, 312 Chin Street in Santa Rosa. And also on Monday from 5.30 to 8 p.m., the Marin AIDS Project will host a Mix It Up at the Four Points Sheridan, 1010 Northgate Drive in San Rafael. And on Wednesday, March 26th from 4 to 5.30 p.m., the Petaluma LGBT Youth Support Group will gather at Casa Grande High School in room R10. And on Thursday, March 27th through Sunday, March 30th, the Sebastopol Documentary Film Festival will screen several short films and feature documentaries with LGBT themes, including Alfredo's Fire, Families Are Forever, and Alice Walker. Tickets for each film are $10, and you can learn more at sebastopolfilmfestival.org. And on Friday, March 28th from noon to 2 p.m., the Positive Women's Group will gather at the Food for Thought Sonoma County AIDS Food Bank Building, 6550 Railroad Avenue in Forestville. Lunch will be served during this supportive and fun meeting. You can learn more about local LGBT events happening here in the North Bay by going to GaySonoma.com. And if you have news or an event you'd like to share with our listeners, be sure to tell us about it by going to our own website at OutBeatNews.com. Follow us all week long on Facebook and Twitter for the latest LGBT news and information from here in the North Bay and beyond. For Gary Carnavelli, I'm Greg Moralia. Outbeat Radio News, your source for LGBT news from the North Bay and beyond. Well, as I mentioned at the start of our show, I first met our guest tonight earlier this year at Travis Air Force Base. And, of course, it's no secret that LGBT people have been faithfully serving our country since the time the military was created. But it's really only recently that groups like the Travis Air Force Base LGBT Alliance have been allowed to form and meet out in the open. And I have a great group of dedicated members of our Air Force with us tonight to tell us all about that. So welcome to Outbeat Radio, all of you. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. for having us. Well, it's great that you came all the way over here from, uh, from Fairfield. So let's start out tonight. Uh, just kind of go around the room, introduce yourselves. Tell us what brought you to the Air Force and if you're out on the job. Okay. Uh, my name is Robert MacArthur, and I'm a dentist at the Dental Squadron at Travis Air Force Base. Um, I first joined the military back in 2002 as purely a business operation. I come from a pretty big family, and I wanted to go to um, a private school um, out of state, and it was a way uh, as a means to, to pay for my education. So that's what brought me to the Air Force, and then I quickly fell in love with it. Um, entered uh, under Don't Ask, Don't Tell, so I was not out at the time. But now, since the repeal, I am out at my work center. Fantastic. 
Good evening. Um, my name is Anna Malhado, and um, I have been in the Air Force since 2007. Um, I'm currently a medic at the David Grant Medical Center on Travis Air Force Base. And um, uh, like Robert, I entered prior to the repeal of Don't Act, Don't Tell, and I'm still not out at work, uh, but I am out to friends and family. Great. My name is Myrie Heff. I joined the military in 2002. I come from a really small town in a really small family, so I joined to explore the world and kind of get out, and I've done that. Um, I joined while DADT was still in effect also. Um, since it's been repealed, I've come out at work. Um, I guess I was kind of out before it came out, uh, before DADT was repealed, but um I'm out at work and with my family and friends. I'm a substance abuse counselor at uh, David Grant. Fantastic. And for those people here that may not be familiar with Travis, it's a huge Air Force base with a gigantic medical complex, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. So, so let's go back before Don't Ask, Don't Tell, before the LGBT alliance was even a dream. What was it like in the military for you? And did you know people who were out sort of unofficially? Or how did that work? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, Greg, it was actually, it was it was tough. I'm not going to lie. Um, during Don't Ask, Don't Tell, uh, the one word that comes to mind is just this constant level of paranoia. Um, while under Don't Ask, Don't Tell, am I gonna, is someone going to find out? Um, I, w- I remember driving into work every Monday, having to go through in my mind um, how I would word um, when people would ask me, what did you do this weekend? I would have to think, how am I going to respond to that question to where I can be truthful, but at the same time, I would have to code it to where they couldn't you know, find out um, anything that I would do could potentially lead to an investigation. So I was very, very paranoid during that, that whole time of being at, in active duty while under Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Yeah, it was kind of the same for me. Um, my work center, most people in my work center knew um, that I was gay, but they didn't. It wasn't something that we spoke about or talked about openly. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to use a lot of pronouns like they, mm-hmm. we, us, them, um, my roommate. So everyone knew who my roommate was, but it was it was difficult, you know, getting my story straight and making sure I used the the correct uh, words mm-hmm. instead of saying she. Yeah. Anna, how about for you? Um, I really, um, it depends on where you work, pretty much. I know my old unit, it wasn't really something that was uh, spoken about. And um, really just depends. The unit I'm in now um, is fine, but um, it just kind of varies depending on your work center. So it sounded like there's sort of this 24-hour additional pressure on mm-hmm. top of all of you that was sort of always looming there. That must have been really tough. So as you began to hear discussions and sort of forecast the fact that Don't Ask, Don't Tell was going to fall, what was that like for you? Um, there was still a level of paranoia because I remember several people saying, well, they could repeal it, and then two days later they might take that away. So you got to be careful. You got to be careful. And I remember in December of 2010, when um, the legislation started to pass, um, they specifically said um, there was going to be at least a 60-day waiting period. And it wasn't actually until you know uh, September 20th, 2011, when it became official. Right. Um, so there was this limbo period. I remember a lot of people not believing it. 
Um, and even today, there are still members that I, I've talked to and worked with that still think there could be, for some reason, um, the repeal could, could go away and it could be still enacted. I was always curious what we were going to wait for during that time. You know, there was all these these decades, and then this discussion about repealing it, and then the decision to make repeal it. But wait, we have to wait a few more months mm-hmm. for something to happen. Right. I don't know. Now you mentioned that there are still people who are are they closeted on base then that are afraid to come out still. I think there are several people that are that are not openly um, that are not out at work. Um, or in the military, some due to, I, I think, due to their positions, mm-hmm. um, some due to the fact that they're afraid of what the, the backlash may be or the conversation surrounding that or kind of how they'll be viewed at work. So what's the, what's the answer then to making that better? I mean, how are, how are you going to convince people then that it's okay to come out? That's a, that's a great question. I think it comes down to... The, the need for having a cultural change and that's one of the aims of this group is educating and spreading awareness about our group for the young airmen who just joined the air force and travis is his or her first location and they're sitting in their room thinking i'm the only person mm. that's gay you know and giving them you know the resources to know hey there's a support group here or for the old chief who's been in for 20 plus years and and is afraid um almost institutionalized into thinking you know, uh, I, I can't. I can't come out. There's, there's still retribution. My job will be affected. Letting them know, hey, no, that's not the case. Yeah. So we were talking before we got on the air, and you mentioned, I think, a really good example about a similar type of change. You, you talked about school desegregation in 1954. I think there's a sense out there that when "Don't Ask, Don't Tell" was repealed, that all of a sudden, whammo, everything was great the next day, and and that's not true, right? Correct. Yeah. So, what do you what, what do you think it's what do you think the future holds? Then, do you think there's still a risk that it would ever be reenacted, or are you feeling pretty confident that we're beyond that? I don't think we would need to uh, fear um, a repeal of the repeal or anything like that. I believe um, to kind of to piggyback of what was what Robert was saying, it's just um, a culture change, and I think as time goes on, people will become more and more comfortable with that discussion, and it will be a non-issue. Great. So the LGBT Alliance, tell us about how that came into being on the base. Well, actually, there was a focus group held um, by one of the organizations on base back in November, and um, a few people got together. I I don't remember the exact number, but there were a few people that got together to kind of discuss what the purpose of it would be or kind of what's needed at Travis Air Force Base. And then from there, it uh, kind of took off. And so I remember when I came, well, first of all, let's go back. This started in the fall, right? Correct. So it's still a fairly new organization. Um, I think I was there in January or February, and I was floored to walk in the room to see 40-plus people. Mm-hmm. What was the response? It must have been kind of overwhelming. Yeah, I don't think, um, like Myrie was saying, we had maybe like five to ten people in that first focus group in November. And then, you know, we've had 40, 50 uh, people at our at our meeting. So uh, that's great, but I think we're uh, – we know – you know, based off the base population as to how many, about 11,000 people or maybe more than that, there's obviously a lot more people that aren't coming to our meetings. Sure. Or, or that don't know about our meetings. Now, this isn't entirely unique uh, because I'm sure that there are other types of organizations to support different 
you know, clubs and interests and whatnot on base, but you're a private organization, right? Correct, and we're the first private organization within the Air Force. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay, so it is pretty unique that way. What's the response been a- across the base? Um, have you been embraced? Has it been a struggle? It's been pretty positive and pretty supportive. Yeah, I would agree, especially um, our leadership on base, wing leadership. We've actually had our vice wing commander attend one of our uh, meetings and express his support and uh, express the need that he would like for us to help him in educating other base leaders about our organization and to help spread awareness. So I've been very pleasantly pleased and surprised with the amount of support that we've had. So that's got to make you feel pretty good and even for those who are a little unsure to see someone at that rank walk in the room and say i'm behind you that's got to be a great vote of confidence absolutely excellent and i I remember when i was there that night there were a good number of straight allies uh there one i think he was a supervisor of some sort sort spoke out really pretty confidently give us a sense of of how you think lgbt people are being then accepted across the base I know there are so many different units, but just kind of give us a sense. Is it going well? Are there still hiccups? What do you think? I think it's a little bit of both, potentially, uh, depending on your work center and who you work with, um, what your job is. My work center has always been welcoming. Um, from the day I got to this base, I've been accepted in my work center with no issues. I'm sure that's not the same for everyone across the base. Um, I do think that this organization, though, uh, does help our straight allies understand more um, about our issues or the struggles that we have or that we're enduring or that we've endured in the past, and them being able to come to the meetings kind of opens their eyes a little bit more um, for I've had coworkers come to the meetings that I've invited to the meetings, and after the meeting, they're like, wow, I didn't know there were so many people on base. And it's, I said, well, that's only a small percentage. So sure. I, think, I think it's really opening eyes, and hopefully that's what it will continue to do. Fantastic. So let's go back to the meetings. Tell us about some of the events that you've been doing and some of the speakers that you have. What would, what would someone expect who would attend one of these Alliance meetings. Well, our meetings are on the first and third Wednesdays of the month, and we have one uh, meeting that's more of a formal setting, which is the first Wednesday. The third Wednesday is usually a social event. Um, this past meeting uh, was just a get-together uh, bowling event, and the previous month was a uh, get-together at an Italian restaurant. So it varies from month to month, and we do that just to uh, kind of give people a way to interact and so- socialize amongst themselves. And I would imagine with 11,000 people on base, and I've been out there, it's huge, that it would, might be difficult for people to connect. You know, if you're the one person in your particular work group or squadron, it might be tough. So this provides a pretty good social connection for people, too, to meet, right? I yep. think it does. Are you doing anything around education? Uh, Is there any counseling and support services that you're doing for people who are struggling with coming out? Yes. Um, One of our pillars, I guess, we would like to educate and spread awareness. Um, We have our first-term airmen center. Um, which is brand new airmen that are coming to base. Uh, we are going and speaking to them about our group. Um, and then also setting up meetings with other private organizations to spread awareness about who we are. And we're inviting them to our meetings, and we're also being invited to their meetings. Um, we're also presenting to base leadership um, just very basic slides about our group and contact information. If they have troops who are struggling with coming out, they can come and contact um, 
our group members. So this could be amazing. I mean, I'm just sitting here listening to you talk about the orientation you do for new members of Travis. I would imagine you get young airmen from all over the United States. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, I'm thinking about this kid in Kansas who enlists in the Air Force. He's not out in Canvas or Kansas, and yet you're providing an opportunity potentially for them to come out while they're in the military here. Mm-hmm. That's and That's also just trying amazing. to educate ourselves. That's yeah. another um, key point that I think it's important at our meetings. We're, we're slowly realizing. Um, I think uh, next month we're actually going to be having a meeting centering on um, bisexuality, being HIV positive, and being in the military, and also um, transgendered issues. That is amazing. So not only are we trying to educate the leadership, trying to educate the new airmen, give them opportunities, but also ourselves. Incredible! Absolutely incredible. I can't wait to hear the stories, uh, you know, especially from someone who is actually able to come out for the first time while mm-hmm. in the military. I mean, people go off to college all the time and use that as their time and place to come out. I don't think they, I would have ever given the thought that the military might be that avenue for someone. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Uh, have you encountered any challenges with getting the Alliance up and running? It doesn't sound like membership is a challenge. Right. I think the biggest challenge to date is just spreading the awareness about our group. Every time we have someone come to our meetings, they always say, I never heard about this. How long have you guys been around? You know, not not too terribly long, but um, I would say just, just getting the word out there that we even exist to mm-hmm. the large base populace is probably the biggest challenge so far. I can see another challenge coming as far as space for mm-hmm. a meeting. Yes. Uh, the room that we have, the, the Airmen and Family Readiness Center on bases where we hold our meetings right now, um, but with our membership continuously growing, I, I think that it, probably be an issue in the Mm -hmm. future what about families uh do you have any families that attend the meetings we do uh we currently have um a retired uh chief who attends uh with her wife and we do have some members um who sometimes bring their children sometimes not but we do have uh that network so is that something that you've seen on the base? Uh, certainly there's family housing uh, in and on the base, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Are LGBT families making themselves more visible now in this post-don't-ask-don't-tell world? I think because of the benefits that are just starting to trickle in, I don't. Um, I personally haven't. I, I, I'm sure there there are um families walking around and like um anna said we have members that that do come and um bring their kids to our meetings but not yet but also it's hard to get a house on base because there is a wait wait list okay so it's it wouldn't be um, because they're not welcome it's, uh-huh. it's more just a spacing issue so that brings me to another question then about families if uh any family on base had a son or daughter who came out as lgb or t would they be able to attend and participate in these meetings or is this just for for enlisted and officers no that's not the case uh the meetings are open to anyone who has base access so do you envision then having a youth group component eventually for this i mean again eleven thousand people and all the families that are there there's got to be a good number of of young people that are associated with members that could benefit is that there's an idea? there's so much potential for the group i wouldn't i wouldn't deny um, okay. thinking about that okay so what do you see in the future then uh for the group what are some of the goals that you're hoping for in this coming year 
well, increasing um, the, 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 the membership. And also, word is, is spreading amongst um, leaders even off base. So there's other uh, wing leadership um, that, are, that are interested in our group kind of being the, the forefront or setting a template mm-hmm. for other groups. And, you know, as members of, of our group, um, when we change over leadership in the next couple months and, and members start to, to PCS or to move off base to another base, hoping to, uh, you know, establish something similar. So this cultural change that we're doing is not just at Travis in Northern California, but, you know, at that other small base in, let's say, the middle of Kansas or South Dakota. Um, So we're really spreading that cultural Mm -hmm. change throughout the Air Force. Well, that brings another question to mind. Have you seen groups like the LGBT Alliance in the other branches, say the Marine Corps, the Army, or Navy? Or is this something that you think is pretty unique to the Air Force? I personally haven't seen any in other branches, but I know there are other groups out there. Um, whether or not they actually have gone through the steps to become a private organization is a different story, but there is a, um, a group at uh, Monterey called Polaris that we are um, attempting to establish a kind of like a connection with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we know there are other groups out there, uh, but as far as other branches, I'm not quite sure. Okay. Well, great. Well, tell us where people can go to learn more about the Travis Air Force Base LGBT Alliance. We actually have a public Facebook page. It's uh, www.facebook.com forward slash LGBT Alliance 707. Excellent. And I hear a website is also in the making. It might be. It might, might be. be in the future. <laughs> okay. Fantastic. Well, we will have that uh, link to the LGBT Alliance Facebook page on our own website at OutBeatNews.com. Congratulations to, to all three of you. I think the work that you're doing is amazing, and, and uh, you're, you're changing lives in addition to serving our country. Well, thank you. Thank you. So, thank you so much for being with us tonight. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Thanks. We're going to take a music break, but before we do, I have two tickets to next month's screening of Matt Shepard is a Friend of Mine at Napa Valley College. This will take place on Thursday, April 17th at 7 p.m., and I'll give these two tickets away to caller number two. If you'd like to see this new documentary, give me a call right now at 707-584-2020. That's 584-2020. And I'll be back with the Outbeat Youth segment and positive images right after the music break. Here's Well Strung with Mozart meets Kelly Clarkson. Thank you. 
Congratulations to Linda Johnson, who is the winner of our two tickets to the screening of Matt Shepard as a friend of mine at Napa Valley College. If you'd like to join us on April 17th, you can order tickets online. Just go to our website at outbeatnews.com and find the link near the center of the page. And if you're just joining us, you're listening to Outbeat News in Depth on KRCB-FM Windsor, Santa Rosa. Well, in this month's Outbeat News segment, I'm excited to have back in our studios the members and leadership from Positive Images, Sonoma County's premier youth organization. If you were with us last month, you might remember that we started our interview and then got chased out by the fire department uh, because of a small fire in another part of the building. So I'm thrilled to have Positive Images back here with us. So let's try this again. Why don't we go around the room and have you all introduce yourselves and uh, tell us what your role is with Positive Images. Hi, everyone. My name is Victor, and currently I'm a peer counselor with Positive Images and a leadership member at the Thursday night support groups. Awesome. Hey there. Uh, my name is Cameron Brockway. I am uh, the current uh, intern at Positive Images, and I'm a peer counselor, and I help uh, with facilitating our Thursday night youth group meetings. And I'm Javier, and I am the outreach coordinator for Positive Images and new peer counselor for the support groups on Thursday. Excellent. And remind us where you all go to school. I remember some of you are in college at different locations. I I go to Sonoma State University. I take classes at uh, Santa Rosa Junior College. Okay. I'm also a student at the Santa Rosa Junior College. Awesome. And did you all go to high school and middle school here in Santa Rosa? I did. I went to middle school and high school in Santa Rosa. Okay. How about that? And uh, I grew up actually up in the Sierra Foothills, up in a little town called Sutter Creek, so uh, completely out of the area. And so what was that like? That was a completely different environment. (laughs) I bet it was. I bet it was. And for me, I'm actually um, a native of San Francisco and and went to school out there, Catholic school and then um, a charter school for, for high school. I bet uh, escaping out of that might have been welcome. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. 
Uh, well, there's been a lot that's been going along or going on in the legislature anyway with new laws to help protect LGBT students um, in schools. And so I'm curious to kind of get your sense about what life was like for you in high school and then if you have seen any change or uh, and then also talk about, you know, what college life is like. Victor, let's start with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, at Center as a high school, the student population is a little bit more diverse so there is a lot seen on an everyday basis and with the administration that's very supportive very um outgoing and up-to-date with kind of like the norms and um trying to keep peace everywhere i whenever there was a problem something got resolved and that was really good and with the help of the gay straight alliance on campus it made any issues concerning um gay issues um uh, transgender issues, um, kind of non-existent almost. Okay. How about for the rest of you? Um, for me, I don't spend too much time on campus. I don't see, you know, much of an issue because I take evening classes, but I think everything, you know, I don't see anybody having any problems. Now, are you able to be out on campus if you wanted to be or? Oh yeah. I feel completely comfortable being out on campus. Yeah. And so in classes and whatnot, when you do your introductions, if it's appropriate, you would you would identify as being gay? Oh, I'd be comfortable identifying as gay. So because you grew up in the Sierra Foothills, what was that transition like then coming here? Um, well, actually, when I moved to Sonoma County, I actually moved to Runner Park. And I was actually completely blown away because where I grew up, I literally walked a mile just to get to the bus stop going to school. And then going from that to moving into Runner Park, where my neighbors were like half a mile away. It's like, oh, my God, I could see the neighbors having a barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> and what was school-like environment? Was there a gay-straight alliance at your high school or any visibility you know, for LGBT students? I think that there was a gay-straight alliance, but I never actually attended, and I never, you know, I was completely in the closet at that point in my life, and I avoided anything like that, and that's how I basically dealt with stuff myself. Mm -hmm. And what about Sonoma State? Well, Sonoma State is is interesting. I'm um, I've been there for about two months now, um, and I do see that the the new building that they have they've created uh, gender neutral bathrooms. So it's it's not um, specific to to multiple people going into one restroom, but it's a restroom designated for for gender neutral. So it's mm -hmm. not one or the other. It's it's however you identify. So in that sense, I, I do see that there is some changes. Um, visually that you can start seeing for, for things to make a, a safer and more aware campus for, for individuals mm -hmm. to, to feel comfortable. Um, as for the environment, I, I mean, I see gay life all over Sonoma State, um, very open and, and welcoming and, and warm. Um, definitely don't see a lot of, I mean, I'm there most of the time during, during the week, but at the same time, there are things I might not see, but you know, nothing that's come up for the last two months. I mean, two semesters. And they have a pretty active, is it a queer-straight alliance or gay-straight alliance yeah. on campus? Yeah, they do. Do you participate in that? I do not. My time schedule does not permit it. So okay. at this point in time, hopefully next semester, I'll start getting into that. But I have I have gone to, to a couple of their meetings. Now, what about Santa Rosa JC? Is there a, is there a GSA there? Uh, there is a, a queer-straight alliance okay. at the junior college. And unfortunately, I can't make the meetings either. But I am um, involved in the student government there and the student clubs. So I kind of have... Um, a little bit of an insight of what's going on on campus and luckily there hasn't been any um intolerance really to anything and unfortunately i don't notice anything uh gender neutral restrooms 
at the moment um, in any of the newer buildings, um, which kind of says something. But at the same time, there isn't necessarily conflict about gender, about sexuality. And if it, if there was, uh, students on that campus are such activists, they'd shut it down mm-hmm. way too quickly. So it seems like transgender students are now the ones that are really on the forefront of the struggle, uh, you know, certainly in the K-12 system. And and, and I know what... At Napa College, where I work in my for my day job, trans students are just now becoming to make themselves visible. What's your experience been at Santa Rosa JC? Are trans students visible there? If they're passing, no. But I mean, um, I feel I, when I see students who um, are trans, I mean, I don't say anything because they're just students there going throughout their day, getting an education. So to me, it's a normal, it's a it's a normal thing. And maybe there might be some some looks. People will do a double take, not really know what's going on. And I think that's an opportunity to kind of teach. That's an educational opportunity that I do realize. I don't know if our QSA, our Career State Alliance, is um, planning on doing something to educate the community at the JC about trans issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I don't know quite how to to put this. I know that that in some of the classrooms at our college, we're beginning to have discussions about, in introductions, asking students about, you know, which pronoun do you prefer? So there's even that more subtle acknowledgement that gender isn't necessarily the the traditional in the traditional binaries. Mm-hmm. Have you heard that in your classes? I've not. Sonoma State hasn't uh, reached to those to those grounds yet, but hopefully. Hopefully they will. I think that they're with more advocacy pushing towards the understanding and awareness of other people um, in the classrooms and kind of mm-hmm. making everybody feel welcomed and comfortable. And asking that question, that, that definitely gives um, a very common ground and, and warm welcoming for, for everybody. And what about the visibility of trans students uh, at Sonoma State? I think I've only seen maybe a handful, um, if even that. Uh, and, again, that's that's for individuals that... Not to be judgmental in any way, but but visibly you can kind of see that they've been through some transition. Um, but others are are passing, and and you can't really tell. Right. Um, so at that point, there could be a lot more that are that are open on campus. It's just harder for us to to determine that. Victor, uh, something that I found interesting actually on the application when you're um, submitting an application for the junior college, so they do ask you if you are transgender. And your sexual orientation, which I, which was really new, right? Uh, maybe in the last year or yep. so, which I thought was really interesting. That's part of Assembly Bill 620 that was signed into law mm-hmm. in 2011, I believe. And and one of the requirements of that was that colleges throughout the state begin to measure the demographics of LGBT students within their population. And so for California, we've chosen to do that at least in the community college system on the universal application for admission. Um, and that'll be rolling out on every campus. I'm glad to see Santa Rosa's up to speed with that already, but that'll be out yeah. uh, statewide, um, supposedly by the end of the spring here, uh, which is great. So let's shift gears back to Positive Images as an organization, and I know that uh, you've started a new support group at Casa Grande High School in Petaluma. Tell us about that. So I, I think the, the transition or, or the start of it was, um, I mean, it, it's been a talk that we needed to extend these support groups, you know, to, to the Southern County. Um, and it's been talked about and there have been um, some conversations around it. But in fall 
2013, um, there was more of a push, and we we had a little bit of outreach going to different GSAs um, in Petaluma specifically, um, and kind of giving the word that we wanted to open up a support group for um, through positive images out 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 there. Um, so, a, a very good friend and a, and a key player in in all this is Betha McLean, um, assistant principal at Casa Grande. And she has the, the space that was avail- available for GSAs. Um, and so that space is what was given to us to use for our support groups on Wednesdays. Um, and that, that kind of gave um, us that opportunity and we seized it. Uh, the reason that we waited until the beginning of this year to start it is because we wanted to kind of move. It was kind of in the middle of the semester, so we wanted to give it like a clean clean start and, sure. and kind of work that through. So... Um, but it's it's been it's been going fairly well. Well, and that's just evidence that the principal does make all the difference, right, mm-hmm. at a school. Because I remember years ago when I was more regularly involved with positive images, Petaluma was not one of the most accepting environments for high schoolers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember hearing a lot of horror stories from people who would come to the Thursday night meetings and talk about, you know, what a what a hell it was on their campus. And so when I heard that the the, there was a regular support group at Casa Grande. I was like, wow, something really changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many people come? Um, usually it's um, we have three co-facilitators, and then there's usually between 8 to, to 12 that attend at this point in time. Um, I think because it's, it's fairly new and started on the 15th of January that um, – you know, it'll, it'll give it a little bit more time, but we're definitely working towards doing a lot more outreach on campuses in, in Petaluma. And is there a Gay-Straight Alliance on the campus as well? There is. Um, the Gay-Straight Alliance, uh, the, the president is, is actually Roberto. Um, he attends uh, the support groups on Wednesday as well just to kind of see what's going on, get the support, but also bring that back to the, to the GSA. So we're working, we're, we're working closely with, with the GSA. I know on some campuses I've heard that a lot of the LGBT students still don't feel 100% comfortable participating in LGBT groups and events because they may be out in some segment of their school life, but they don't really want to be connected directly with uh, you know, a pride event or whatever it happens to be. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing that as the case at Casa Grande? I mean, I guess what I'm trying to ask is, the people that go to the support group, are they also active in the GSA? Um, I I would have to say um, probably yes and no. There might be a few that are that are in the support group that are sponsoring or, or supportive in, in the GSA. Um, but what I do know is that the GSA is, the GSA is a little bit smaller. Um, it's not quite up to, to eight people, wow. so there's definitely a, a lesser amount in the GSA on the, school, okay. on, the, on the campus. So tell us about a typical meeting. What goes on and what service do you provide? Um, kind of modeled after the Thursday night meetings. I think they wanted just to essentially duplicate that support system. And, I mean, we have check-ins mm-hmm. for some of the nights. We have um, peer counselors there for members to utilize if they want to talk to someone one-on-one we have guest nights um and then usually we have a social event so i'm assuming uh i don't unfortunately go to the petaluma one um but i'm sure that they emulate that very closely some of the leadership that is on the uh, petaluma group came from the santa rosa group and they've been with the organization a few years now and have been doing uh facilitating peer counseling so they kind of run it that way and brought their experience with them mm-hmm, that's great for sure so let's go back to santa rosa now and you mentioned the thursday night support groups what's going on now with those 
they're still up and running. Uh, we are meeting at the Positive Images Center on Chin Street in downtown Santa Rosa, and those are to capacity every Thursday night. About 25 people um, just go there and kind of do what we do best, just listen to each other. So for someone who's new and mm-hmm. not familiar with Positive Images, because you've been around for a couple-plus decades, right? Yeah, about 22 years now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm 24 years. 24 mm-hmm. years. Jim's sitting in the back raising those numbers up because he knows <laughs> because he started it. And, and it was really one of the mm-hmm. first in the region to support LGBT youth. And it's yeah. still going strong, which is terrific. Uh, so talk about how do you get involved? If you're a young person and you're in the process of coming out, maybe you're not out to your parents, mm-hmm. can you just show up? Definitely, you can just show up. We also have resources um, online. We have our website, pauseimages.org, and we're also located on Facebook. And if anyone does want to come by the um, center to just check it out, we're open weekdays 1 to 5. We have a volunteer there every day to give tours, to answer any questions, to kind of give an explanation of what Positive Images is to anyone who's curious who may be too scared to go to an actual meeting. Um, we have our phone number, 707-568-5830, that anyone can call and someone will pick up and talk. Great. And we'll make sure we have those resources on our own website at outbeatnews.com. Great, great. We'll put those links there so you can go and, and check it out. Now, you've got a number of other groups that are also meeting at the center. Tell us about mm-hmm. who else is using the, the facility. So a lot of the trans support groups um, use the center, um, facilitated by one of our members and peer counselors, Jackie, and we have the trans youth group uh, the first and third Tuesdays from 6 to 8 at the center. We have the trans um, M to F adult group second and fourth Tuesdays, 6 to 8 p.m. We have the um, female to male uh, 21 and over group first and third Sundays from 3.30 to 5 and then we have the parents of trans um, first and third Monday from 7 to 8.30 so it's a flurry all the time <laughs> it sounds like you've got all the bases covered something for parents something mm-hmm. for young people um, and something for these are adults right the MTF yeah. and FTMs oh, yeah. include oh, yeah. adult Anyone. groups as well mm-hmm. Fantastic. What are some of the other resources that are at the center? Other resources, we have a uh, gender exploration closet for anyone who is thinking about uh, doing a transition like that. Um, We have a library full of LGBT novels and um, resources there at the center. And we also have films that can be watched at the center there. And we have a wider range and just so much is available for anyone who is looking for something. Talk more about the the gender exploration closet. I think that's something that's entirely unique uh the gender exploration closet it's actually it's a pretty cool setup we have a lot of people that have donated uh clothes and uh, stuff to us with we have like a cabinet with makeup and we have uh, a cabinet with you know both underwear and you know there's packers and also binders so the packers for and the binders specifically for uh trans males who are exploring their sexuality of course um and then there's also, I think we have false, um, uh, we have bras and people can stuff their bras mm-hmm. for males or, or trans females that are transformed. They want to just see how they feel, put wigs on, mm-hmm. and there's a whole closet just full of clothes for people just to try mm-hmm. on whatever makes them comfortable. And they can really just feel, you know, what they, what they want to feel for how they need to feel 
for what they mm-hmm. feel inside. Yeah, it is the full deal. I mean, a lot of people who come to the trans support group meetings have never done that, mm-hmm. and they've always just felt wrong. So the gender exploration closet and the meetings being held in that same building kind of gives them an opportunity to find themselves, be comfortable, and just mm-hmm. be real. Go ahead. And also the best thing about that is they don't have to feel out of place if they walk into a store having wanting to go buy clothes for transitioning or just to see how it feels they don't have to be embarrassed they don't have to feel out of place because they can just go to our center and try it out without you know going out in front of people and buying stuff and people looking at them funny that's like something they don't even have to worry about and go ahead and and the the association with that and what we were talking about um earlier is is that there's there's an essence of, of confidentiality that's that's essential for people to feel safe and comfortable. So when we do have support groups or when people come to the center, we make it very clear that this is a place that we don't expose anybody because individuals might still be closeted or they're not comfortable around anybody else. So the, the transition of coming from the outside world into positive images is that we make that a very secure and safe place for people. So I would imagine then a, a, a young person who is exploring their own gender identity doesn't feel comfortable doing that at home because of mm-hmm. what for whatever reason mm-hmm. parents yeah. could they come to a meeting then dressed in the in the clothing that represents their gender identity <laughs> please, oh, we welcome please. it we welcome it oh yes of mm-hmm. course great uh and you mentioned peer counseling before yes. um at, at the groups talk about that a little bit the peer counseling program is um for members who have been to the meetings for a, a certain amount of time usually about a three months usually, um, who really want to dive in and do more listening and help more people on a one-on-one basis. And it's a six-week intensive uh, Sunday training, about three hours each Sunday. And we go into topics like um, uh, self-harm, grieving, uh, abuse, just different, just kind of dive into really what it means to listen to someone and what it means to give feedback that is appreciated that really means uh we are connecting we're here to help you and a lot of people benefit on both sides uh the peer counselee and the peer counselor on just kind of uh deepening their humanity and this isn't some casual sort of training, right? Who, oh, who, oh, by by all means, no. <laughs> who, who provides the training then? Um, uh, Jim Jim actually provides. He's he's one of the the main trainers, and then we we also have um, several other trainers. Um, this this one that we just finished today actually was our our last mm-hmm. kind of session. Um, Bree, Jaime, and Tyler. Yes. Uh, were the three that, that also trained us. So we have individuals that have went through the training in our peer counselors, but have also, I believe, been trained in, in, in a way to train others to become peer counselors. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. And positive images could not exist with, uh, you know, without a, a very large support structure. Talk about the board and who runs all this. Um, actually, our board is, uh, we have our, Mike Tracy is our board chair. He was here actually last month when we were on the radio, but he's uh, out of town uh, currently. And our board is actually pretty cool. we got a group of, uh, for the most part, uh, either volunteers or uh, parents of our youth that have either come and went. Um, we also have uh, uh, Tim Lane is also another one of our board members, a uh, very active uh uh, in the board, and we have our board meetings, which is every fourth uh, Wednesday of the month at seven to nine, and that's actually open 
uh, for people who are interested in coming to the board. And we're actually currently looking for board members um, because we're actually looking to see if we can just add a few more people to our board so we can have, uh, you know, more opinions, more ideas with how, you know, when we make decisions with, you know, what's happening with the organization, you know, the more people opinions we can get, it kind of helps keep, you know, things just running smoother. So Positive Image is a, is a local nonprofit organization that survives on the generosity and donations of people in the community, right? Yes. Right. So it, the board really plays an essential function. It, describe for me some of the characteristics you're looking for in board members. Oh, my God, anyone who wants to give back to really a cause to feel more of a connection with the community. I mean, Greg, we wouldn't mind if you came back. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, there's always a spot. If anyone's seeking volunteer opportunities, a uh, uh, seat on the board, anyone, a mentoring opportunity, um, you can contact Jim Foster, the clinical director of the organization and the founder. Um, and his information is on the website, once again, pauseimages.org, or call the center at 707-568-5830 and anything we will find if you're hungry to help, to serve, to kind of just be there with with the organization, there is something for you. Mm-hmm. Well, and I can say with some credible experience that uh, it's it's great work. Um, I always enjoyed going to the Thursday meetings and, and listening to the stories and really watching people grow up. Yeah. I mean, I think that's mm-hmm. one of the things that was so rewarding. And, and when people come feeling very you know, insecure about who they are and then they walk into a room of people who are just like them, it's a 180. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to be so to be part of an organization like that and to help support it, I think is is one great way uh, mm-hmm. to give back to the community. Talk about some of the things coming up for you this spring. So for a lot of our events, um, one of the big things is, is Hellegate Prom, and we're we're in the process of kind of solidifying um, everything for that. So there's there's not there's some information, but I'm not going to put anything out there right now. Um, <laughs> but for that, we'll have flyers. We'll we'll definitely have things that we're going to give out to different high schools as well as colleges. Um, aside from that, we do uh, Wednesday night markets that'll start up uh, May 7th. So we'll be doing. Um, kind of tabling there during that time to kind of give more information about what Positive Images is, what they do, um, and have people representing there. Um, and we do panels. So we go to technically any anywhere that that we can go to kind of give panels of people of their coming out story and, right. and kind of connecting with, with students. Um, and also, if it was in any other um, situation or form, we, we can definitely do it. But at this point, we're doing a lot of panels for, for So high that's schools. the Wednesday night market in downtown Santa Rosa, right? Yeah. Right. right. So that would be a great opportunity for people to go if they want mm-hmm. to meet some of you and find out how they can get involved as Most well. Most definitely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Most of the time it is uh – run by youth in the organization who volunteer, who go to the meetings, who kind of are in it. And it's great to have people kind of who don't know about the organization, which is crazy because we've been here for 24 years. Mm -hmm. We do get those people who are like, what? You're here. And it's just such a great connection to see them interact with the people who are getting the service and people who want to give back. It's so kind of, it's just so awesome Mm -hmm. to see. Yeah. And we're actually collaborating um, on two events at the junior college. Um, so uh, Dan of the Oaks will actually be tabling with um, um, the Queer Straight Union. I believe that it's, that's, that's what it's called on, on the junior college campus. And when is that coming up? Um, that's May 4th, which is a Sunday. It's either mm-hmm. May, the first Sunday of May. Yeah, the May. first Monday of May. Mm-hmm. And then we're also doing uh, the Spring Wellness Fair, which is the Seven Realms of Wellness um, that Student Health Services is putting together, which is going to be a really big, big fair. Um, 
and that I believe is on the 23rd of April. You guys have a very, very busy spring ahead, that's mm-hmm. for sure. Tell us once again where people can go to learn more about Positive Images. So to find out more about Positive Images, you can visit our website at pauseimages.org. Give us a phone call at the center at 707-568-5830 or stop on by to chill with us at um, in downtown Santa Rosa. We're located behind Soco Coffee at 312 Chin Street. Excellent. We're already out of time, and I'd like to thank all three of you for joining us tonight and, most importantly, for doing the great work you're doing at your schools, Sonoma State and Santa Rosa JC, as well as at Positive Images. Thank you. All we can do. Uh-huh. And we'll be back right after this. Hi, this is Rick Dean, Executive Director of Face to Face. What if I told you that you could have peace of mind in just 20 minutes, and it's free? Face to Face offers free, anonymous HIV testing with results in just 20 minutes. Knowing your HIV status can be life-saving for you and those you love. Visit Face to Face in Santa Rosa. Call us at 544-1581 or visit us at f2f.org. Ending AIDS in Sonoma County, 20 minutes at a time. And that brings us to the end of another hour. My thanks to all of the members of the Travis Air Force Base LGBT Alliance who are here and to those members of Positive Images who came by to share their story. I'll be back next Sunday night with Gary Carnavelli for an Outbeat Extra. Family Law Kina Crocker will join us to talk about many of the legal changes that have happened since the fall of the Defense of Marriage Act. That's next Sunday night at 8 p.m. and only here on KRCB Radio. In the meantime, have a great week, and thanks for spending your Sunday night with us. Outbeat News in Depth is hosted and produced by Greg Moralia exclusively for KRCB Radio. You can listen to our shows on demand on iTunes and on our website at OutbeatNews.com. And be sure to follow us all week long on our Facebook page and Twitter feed for the latest LGBT news from here in the North Bay and beyond. Support for Outbeat Radio on KRCB-FM comes from members and from the new Hansel Subaru. See the new 2014 Subaru Outback with symmetrical all-wheel drive and all the new Subarus at Hansel Subaru in Santa Rosa or at HanselSubaru.com. And from General Hydroponics, creating solutions for gardeners for over 30 years. General Hydroponics designs plant nutrients that bring nature and technology together for bountiful plants. On the web at GenHydro.com. You're listening to KRCB-FM Windsor, Santa Rosa, the new 91. It's just before 9 p.m. Stay with us. Climate One is next.